I found a story online. A lot of good conversations start that way, don't they? <laughs> I found this story online, and I won't tell you where it happened. It doesn't matter. It could happen anywhere. Uh, it's about a, a teenage boy who ordered a set of fake credentials uh, online. He went online, and he was trying to get a... Um, either a passport or a driver's license or something. And so he went online and he ordered this up and paid his money and he wanted to have privileges as an older person <laughs> uh, or some privilege that he didn't have. And so he's going to go online, he's going to fake it. Now, I just want to pause at this point in the story and I want to say, don't please anybody put any words in my mouth. I am not recommending this as a course of behavior. All right, do not pay anyone for fake credentials of any kind. Don't start any rumors that I'm encouraging that either. Please, and thank you. All right, disclaimer over. Now, so the, this, this story made the news because it didn't quite work out the way this young man had intended it to work. So he sent the money, he thought he had ordered all this, and wouldn't you know it, the people that he sent the money to didn't come through uh, with, they didn't fulfill their end of the deal. So what did he do? Why is this in the news? He called up the cops because he got ripped off. <laughs> I'm not making this up. I wish, like, like, you know what? You don't even have to make it up. You just get online, and I, I typed in, like, fake ID story or something like that, and that's what came up. Uh, wow. Uh, really, really good stuff. Why am I talking about IDs? This sermon series, uh, Ephesians, this is written, of course, to the Ephesians, but it, it clearly, in the way that it is written, it has a much wider audience. We know that the Word of God had a powerful impact in the city of Ephesus. We know that it spread throughout uh, Asia Minor, uh, roughly the area known as Turkey. Uh, right now. We know that it's spread in, in a couple of years. And so we know uh, that when Paul puts Ephesians on this, we know this is going to cover a, a big audience, a vast array of people from different places and backgrounds. I'll continue to bring some of that out as this series goes, series goes along. Uh, but today for us to, uh, to, to get into this, uh, identity surrendered is uh, there's no place in, in pastor study books uh, where you go that like this is the approved theme that you have to pick from the book of Ephesians. Uh, you have to do something with identity. Uh, actually, Ephesians is a letter that is written by Paul, and it's not necessarily to address a specific problem. It doesn't have a specific need that it's trying to meet. Many other letters that Paul wrote had such a tack to them. Uh, this one does not. This is a general uh, letter uh, that Paul wrote from his imprisonment. Uh, in Rome, and it's uh, designed to be very helpful. And so as I began to think about the different themes that will leap off of these pages into our hearts and into our lives as we go through this series, uh, I began to think of our identity uh, in Jesus, our identity as believers, and uh, many, many, many of these passages will speak 
to our identity. So we'll, we'll uh, keep that as our main theme. We'll let the scriptures uh, speak to themselves. Uh, I hope and pray this will be a life-changing uh, time for us always. We would want that as we get into God's word together. So today, uh, just a, a couple of verses, like I said, some basic foundations of living for Jesus. We're going to focus on Paul's greeting. Verse 1, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. Paul is an apostle. It shows that his identity is surrendered to God. He was directly chosen for his ministry by the Lord, and he had specific gifts and he had a burning passion to share the gospel that went way beyond one local group of people. Paul's influence reached uh, many, many places geographically. Some will debate whether the specific office of apostle is around today or not. I don't feel the need to clear that up this morning. But we can say that that spirit of this sort of an individual is certainly around somebody who shares a burden for an area, shares a burden geographically, has a desire for believers in a wide area. And it's not necessarily somebody who just influences a large area. A lot of people do that in the name of God, and it turns out horrifically. False teachers... Uh, have access to the internet and can have influence over a wide uh, geographical range. Paul's identity surrenders to God, though, um, in a very, very specific way. He uh, was able to be related to because the people that networked with him knew that he was willing to sacrifice. They knew he was a man of challenge. They knew that he was called. They knew his story. Uh, they didn't always see eye to eye with him. They didn't always respect him to his face. Uh, they thought there were some things that were lacking about him. Uh, but Paul was a man of action, a man of dedication. Uh, on foot or animal, uh, Paul traveled enough, or boat, uh, he traveled enough miles to go across the United States once, back, back, and halfway back. Three and a half times is the distance that Paul traveled. We're just getting an idea of who he is and his surrender to God. I want to show you this in Acts chapter 9. So Ananias is a character uh, that the Lord had appointed to work with. Uh, at that point, he's known better as Saul. <laughs> and Ananias knows that Saul was persecuting the church. There are people being led off to be uh, hurt or worse because they weren't Jews. And so God has done a great work in Saul's life, one of these people who's persecuting the church. And here's what Ananias says in response to the Lord telling him to get involved. Uh, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much evil he's done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. These are the words that God gives to Ananias to comfort him about his work with Saul, who is a very, very dangerous character at that point. God had a plan and a purpose 
for Saul, also known as Paul, his life. And it would involve suffering for Jesus. When God works in our lives and he, or, or in your life and he says these kind of things about you, it's kind of hard not to be submissive. But God had the plans and he knew what he was calling Saul to do. Now, here's what I want to challenge you with as we get going. Uh, do you check out of this because you think that Paul is just some sort of a rock star Christian and you'll never be as good as he is? And so, um, you know what, I don't, I don't have the same way in which I view my own life. Should we just take a pass on reading this and wrestling this because we aren't apostles? You might think, I'm just a mom, or I'm a grandfather, or I'm a widow, or I'm just some regular person. I'm living here in America. How could I possibly relate to Paul's sacrifice? Well, Paul says a lot to the Ephesians about authority. He is a trusted man, and he is under God's authority. That's who Paul is, and he's got an identity that is surrendered to God. I hope that speaks to us. We can also relate to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful to Christ Jesus. You might say to yourself, well, I'm no saint. Well, if you believe in Jesus Christ, if you've trusted him for the forgiveness of your sins, if you've put your faith in him as the only way to have eternal life and a spot in heaven, and you're walking and growing in faith each day, then guess what, friends? You're a saint. It's not a title. It's not a qualification. It's not a certain thing that God has done in you. You are a saint. And what do we know about believers? It says they're faithful, these believers in Ephesus, and uh, the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus. So Paul has an identity to surrender to God. Let's just be challenged by that. that. God can put calling on our lives, may look different, may have different things, but let's consider uh, being surrendered right from the get-go. And let's also consider... Uh, our identity as being surrendered to authority. We want to be surrendered in a God sense, uh, as, as Paul is using as an example. We also want to be surrendered in a human sense. So let's think about this letter. Let's say somebody came in today and brought this letter of the Ephesians, and we're in uh, Ephesus, or we're in a church that was connected with how the word got out uh, throughout Asia there, and uh, somebody brings in this letter and says, here, this is from Paul, you should read this. Think about that. Before they ever knew this was the Bible, they received letters from a human. Paul sent this. He wants you to know this. He wants you to read this. He wants you to be encouraged and challenged. Here's a letter to the churches in Ephesus and beyond. How does it arrive? Does God just open up the skies and they took it down from the words that were there and they wrote it down? No. Paul wrote this down, empowered by the Holy Spirit, and somebody delivered this letter to Ephesus and to churches in the extended network. 
in the early Christian church, they valued authority. Before Paul was ever involved, we saw in Acts chapter 9, how God changed his life, how God called him and called him a chosen instrument. Even before that, we see the presence of leadership. Go all the way back to Acts chapter 2, which is a chapter that shows us the birth of the Christian church. Uh, maybe you saw in your bulletin today, we put a little save the date for a discipleship training on November 7th. If you haven't made one of those smaller groups, or even if you have, I would love to have you come for that day. You want to put that on your calendar. But one of the things that we learn as a part of this training is, is uh, we call it the church circle. This is not a very good circle, but we call it a circle. And it's a summary of some of the things in Acts chapter 2 that we see God doing and we see the believers responding. We see uh, what become their norms. We see some of the things that be begin to become a part of their life together as believers. And in Acts 2, verse 42, we see that they listen to the apostles' teachings. So even in the very earliest stages of the church, there is leadership. In Acts 2, Paul was not an apostle. There were other apostles that Jesus had directly taught and ministered to that were ready to help birth the Christian church as we know it. I want to say a couple things about God-anointed leadership. We will find out in our study of Ephesians that God uses leaders. We see that Jesus gives uh, graciously, gives gifts, and that he gives uh, different people, different gifts, different abilities. Some of those involve leading others. It is something that God does. We do our best to try to recognize it when we see it. And as we will study, I want to say this for those of you that may be bristling a little bit, wondering, well, how submitted to human authority am I supposed to be? Uh, what, where do I have my own freedom, my own rights? Christian leadership, as we will study, the best Christian leadership has at its core concern the best of others for their love, their maturity, unity, growth. That's the goal. It's not intimidation, not legalism, not rule following, not bullying, not slander, not divisiveness. We see these things, not abuse. Unfortunately, we see a lot of these things in Christian leaders. This is a letter that will call all of us to a higher standard of following Jesus and being under his authority. And what Paul is doing here in the very beginning of sending this letter and this greeting is to say, I'm a leader. I've trained other leaders. Continue to do your best to listen. And then later on we'll see, hey, if that's you, maybe you're identifying your gifts as a leader and how you can have influence. All right, so the Christian's identity, of course, like Paul, we're surrendered ultimately to Jesus. We're also underneath human authority. Okay, the last thing I want to challenge us with today is how we communicate. We need grace and peace. How do I know that? Because it says it right here in verse 2. I'm glad you asked. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Now your mind may be swirling a little bit. How do I do this? 
How do I say difficult things? How do I, what's grace? What is peace? What does it look like? Good questions. I just want to lay this out. A couple of examples for you. How about the first letter to the Corinthians? If you know anything about the first letter to the Corinthians, you know that Paul is entering a minefield. There are a lot of problems in Corinth. And what does he say? I put this in bold at the bottom. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Even though he is about to be very confrontational in this letter, he starts it off by saying grace and peace to you. And he connects that grace and peace to the power he's experiencing in Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 1, 1 and 2. Not quite as confrontational in the second letter to the Corinthians. A little bit more encouraging. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Over and over and over we see this at the beginning of Paul's letters. And I want it today to challenge our hearts. It's challenged my heart. Do I always think first about grace and peace in communicating with people? And I would say especially to other believers. This is a letter to believers. And so let's get in view first and foremost, especially our communication with other believers. Just think for a moment with me. Would somebody say you communicate with grace and peace? Not to answer that right now, but maybe let that one dwell just a little bit. I'm not talking about false, fuzzy, hallmark emotions. Right, we can stir those up anytime and get sentimental. That can, that can uh, mask reality sometimes. A mark of a true believer is respectfulness, gentleness, kindness, and love. Now, how can I say that? Well, we find out in Paul's letter to the Galatians that the fruit of the Holy Spirit includes things just like this. So as we become more mature, we're going to become more full of love and peace and joy and the types of things that Paul casts over his letters when he says grace and peace. In the letter of 1 John, John, the apostle, gives some tests to all that all Christians should pass. Uh, one of those is doctrinal. Do we believe the right things? But another one uh, is a test of, uh, for true believers. Is, will, will we love our brothers and sisters in the Lord Jesus? Do we really love these people? All true believers will grow in that. I know that love is different than grace and peace, but to me the challenge is still right here. Do we communicate with grace and peace? By the way, Jesus told his disciples that the world would know him, know Jesus, through the love the disciples had for each other. If we are able to treat each other with grace and peace, what a witness we can show to the world around us. How much healthier we can be. This is foundational. Paul makes this a foundation of his communication. And so I pray wherever you have the ability to communicate with other believers... Uh, continue to do so, even if you're confrontational at times. It's okay. We want to do so with grace and peace. Three big markers today of a Christian's identity. One, we're under authority. Whether we're apostle or not, we're under the authority of Jesus Christ as believer. 
If you're here today or you're listening and you're not sure if you're a believer, what does that mean? It means that you recognize that your sin is overwhelming. You cannot get out of it on your own. You cannot earn forgiveness. You cannot bring any offering to God that would be acceptable. He has put uh, for us a perfect offering in place. His name is Jesus Christ who died on a cross for our sins, shed his blood in our place that we may be forgiven. And by faith, we enter into those promises and say, I surrender all of my efforts. I can't do it. I trust in Jesus and in him alone. I can't get into heaven on my own. I trust in Jesus. I turn around from my ways. I repent of my sin. And in faith, I trust that Christ has died for me and rose again. And that I would be with him and walk with him in this life and now and forever. And I make him my authority. Just like Paul. Okay? Second, that we are surrendered to human authority. We have uh, other believers who are maturing, who have influence on us and can teach us and help us to grow. And then finally, that we communicate with grace and peace. These are all huge markers, huge foundations of what it is to be a Christian. I hope you're encouraged today as we get out of the gate on this uh, series in Ephesians. Uh, If you are one who likes to read ahead, I'll challenge you right now to get into... um, the, the next passage, about 3 through 14, is full of amazing, amazing truth. Uh, so chew on that before we get back together uh, next Sunday. Uh, we will get into one big, long Paul sentence uh, next week, and we will do that. Uh, I want to ask you as we close and before we go to prayer, have you committed your life to Jesus? If you haven't, maybe your baptism is next. Okay, if you're, if you're interested in following Jesus, if you haven't followed him yet, uh, we want to help you clear that up. We want to help you uh, answer your questions. We want to help lead you uh, to Jesus. Uh, and then you can, uh, like the two have today, uh, Lee and Josh both, uh, congratulations, uh, young men. Uh, we're excited for you. And uh, we want to be excited to see new believers. And so uh, as you, maybe that's part of your response is to commit to Jesus and to come under the authority of God. Um, perhaps uh, God is speaking to you uh, about your role, your life, your authority, your intention to follow, uh, obey, or thinking about how you communicate. Uh, we pray that the Spirit would stir these things up uh, under, under his conviction, not mine. Uh, that he would take my words, take this uh, couple of verses, and just use it to shape us and form us.